0: You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. All righty, everyone, what's going on? You feeling good today? All righty, let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. We just come to you today, God, to just see you glorified. We just come today to see you seated on the throne, highly exalted, and we just praise you, God, and we thank you, Jesus. I just want to just thank you right now for this family, God. Thank you, Jesus, for each and every person that calls River House their home. Thank you for them, Jesus. Thank you for what they bring to this house. Thank you for the way that they love. Thank you for the way that they pray and they serve, God, I just thank you. Thank you for getting to be a part of this family. It is such a joy, God. And so we just come and we thank you with hearts of gratitude, saying we feel like the most lucky, blessed people in the whole world to get to serve you alongside one another. So we just love you, Jesus, and just wreck us today. Just, just, just wreck us today, God. We love you and praise you in your holy, mighty, and wonderful name. Oh, amen. Gosh, he's so good, huh? How many of you guys were at the Olympics yesterday? Yeah, I learned something yesterday. Um, I learned I have a lot more sanctification that needs to take place. I still think the Sons and Daughters Revival group cheated the whole time. It's true. It's true. Had the same five people playing every event. We're talking about trying to get everyone involved. We need every part of the body. So next year, I'm, we're, gonna, we're gonna add some rules and regulations to this thing. I also learned that the spray sunscreen doesn't actually cover everything and I have just lines all over my body. So, <laughs> you know, it's fitting that I'm in, I was in the youths and college revival group yesterday. Um, Cause I, I thought you probably learned that in like third grade, so. Um, but I, it's just so fun. I mean, seriously, yesterday I was just like, I was talking to Tisha Ross and we were just looking and watching everyone. And there would just be moments where people would just break out and dance randomly. And it just, I was just like, what a cool family that we're a part of where we just get to come and have fun together, play at a park all day long and only get a little bit sick, sick of each other. Like that is just healthy family. You know, it's just so, so good, and so honestly, for those of you who saw pictures and were like, I wasn't there and I wanted to be there, get plugged into a revival group because it is the best way to be a part of this family, so um, I'm really, really excited to be preaching today. Um, I actually was planning on preaching um, something totally different, um, but the Lord did something at Tuesday morning prayer this week. How many of you guys were there? Tuesday morning prayer it was so powerful you guys let me tell you we experienced the easiness and the lightness of of the Lord in such a tangible and powerful way. And for me, it was this really interesting thing because we we really spent the whole time almost just like giving our burdens to the Lord, just allowing him to take our burdens, to take the things that are causing anxiety and stress in our life. And we just gave it to him and his tangible presence was there and it was powerful. And in but And I, I just like kind of was like, what the heck is going on here? Like I was experiencing something that I felt like I haven't experienced in a long time. And I, I talked to quite a few pe- people afterwards, and they were um, kind of experiencing the same thing. And, and the reason it felt so um, different to me is because it was actually altogether like unfamiliar. It was really unfamiliar for me, at least in the last month or two of my life. And, and it just kind of, I felt like was this invitation for me to dive deeper because I know that the kingdom of God, like, like it is a, a kingdom of joy, righteousness, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And if I am not feeling the lightness and easiness of the kingdom on a regular basis, and if that is not my standard, then I just felt like it was an invitation to go deeper and say, why was that unfamiliar, Lord? Why was it unfamiliar to experience your easiness and lightness? And so I just believe today that the Lord wants to bring easiness and lightness. I just, I believe that he wants to bring freedom. Like, I just even believe us playing at the park yesterday was, like, honestly, like, this prophetic thing that is happening to where, like, God's like, okay, lighten up, people. My kingdom is fun. It is beautiful. It is full of joy, hope, and peace. And so we're going to go on a journey today of figuring this thing out. Amen? All right. So um, we're going to be in Matthew 11. Um, Which is, uh, we're going to be looking at, come to me all who are weary and I'll give you rest. It's one of the most common, known Bible verses for those of us who have grown up in the church at all. We've heard it a hundred billion times, but I hope that the Lord is just going to bring some extra revelation today. Um, I'm really pumped. I studied the Bible a lot this week, and it was cool. Um, So before we jump in, I'm going to set some context to where we are at. So we are in the book of Matthew, and so far what has happened in the book of Matthew is Jesus is well into his ministry. He is a known rabbi. He is known for the miracles that is following his life. And what we see earlier on in the book, Jesus uh, preaches the Sermon on the Mount, which is him essentially inaugurating and saying that there is a new kingdom at hand there is a new reality that is here and it is powerful and it is not going to stop and then on the sermon on the mount he starts talking about how it's going to be an upside down kingdom it is going to be different than the kingdom that they were Uh, currently experiencing, right? It was a time period where they were experiencing the yoke of the law, right? It was a time where you had to attain, you had to work, you had to maintain in your own humanness right standing with God. And Jesus says, no, no, no. A new kingdom is here. A new kingdom is here, and it is about the penetration of hearts, it is a kingdom that is not about works, it is not about you in your own power maintaining right relationship with God, but it is a kingdom where the devil is going to cease and die. I I came to destroy the works of the devil. And he's saying that kingdom is here and it is now. And then what we see after that, Jesus then goes on and demonstrates what that kingdom is going to look like. And he demonstrates everything that he preaches on in the Sermon on the Mount. And he demonstrates that by cleansing the leopards, healing the blind, casting out demons, healing the deaf. And we see the kingdom of God come. And he actually starts hanging out. With the lowly, lowly, lowly people that no one else hung out with. The tax collectors, the cripples, all these people, right? You catching up with me? Okay. So then, what this is causing though is disruption. Right. This is causing great disruption in Israel and you have three different types of people that are responding to Jesus. You have the crowd that is experiencing him and and touching him and getting the healing and receiving the ministry and they are like, oh yeah, truly this is the Messiah. Right? How many of you, after you encounter Jesus, are like, "Oh yeah, Jesus, praise you, God"? But if you're in a season of not really encountering Him, you're like, oh, "I don't know where God is. I don't know what He's doing." Oh, yeah. you know? Okay, that's not these people. These people are like, "Yay, Jesus! He's the Messiah. He's here. He's going to be doing powerful work." Then the second crew is a group of people who are st- still uncertain about who Jesus is they're like, is this the Messiah? Is this the one that was promised to deliver us from the hands of the Roman people? Is this the one? Because he's not looking like we thought he was going to look like, but he is healing. He is doing miracles. He is doing powerful things, but he's not fitting our ideal. And what we see in chapter 11, that even John the Baptist, <laughs> Jesus' cousin, the greatest prophet to ever live, he's in prison because he people didn't like him. He's John. He was crazy. And so people didn't like him. Herod didn't like him. So he threw him in prison. And even John, while he's in prison, has his disciples go out to Jesus and say, Jesus, are you actually the Messiah that we've been waiting for? Or should we keep on waiting? (laughs) Which is crazy. And I just am like, man, John, you had to get to a pretty desperate place, dude. Because your whole existence was to prepare the way for Jesus. So you're like, man, was my job pointless? (laughs) That probably wasn't a fun question. And, And the reason why they were uncertain about Jesus is because they had an expectation that the Messiah that was going to come was going to be a political Messiah that was going to come and dethrone the Roman Empire. Right, And so John is hearing all these reports while the great prophet of God is sitting in prison. Jesus, instead of helping him, getting him out of prison, coming up with a strategic game plan on how to dethrone Caesar, dethrone all these guys. Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors. (laughs) He's like, dude, okay, this is cool that you're healing people. This is cool that you're doing all this stuff. But homie, let's get to the real stuff right, and so he's kind of confused, he's uncertain, and so are the disciples, and Jesus very calmly responds to to John's disciples, and he says, yo guys, hey, it's all good, the kingdom of God is still here, it's still moving, I hear your doubt, I understand your doubt, because you thought I was going to be this political dude, but I'm not, I'm going to keep healing people, I'm going to keep casting out demons, so just watch, the kingdom of God is here, and it is only going to keep advancing, amen. Amen. And then there's the third crowd. (laughs) The third crowd is the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day. The ones who are hearing and seeing the miracles and the powerful, mighty things that Jesus was doing, but not repenting, not turning their ways, standing in judgment. And what we see in chapter 11 is Jesus, some, some theologians believe this is the most angry that he ever got. And, and I, this is kind of gnarly to preach, but he literally starts judging all of these cities that were very close to his, his hometown. And he starts judging them for having closed off hearts, for being people that are not willing to recognize the new kingdom that is at hand, but a people that are only focused on attaining and maintaining right relationship with God in their own human works. And Jesus is ticked off. He really is. There's no other way to say it. He was angry, and he looks at these people, and he says, Woe to you, Capernaum. Woe to you, Carazon, for you sitting in your unrepentant ways. Woe to you for being like little children who are just whining and complaining because you're not getting what you want. Essentially, you just keep complaining that I'm not the Messiah that you want me to be, so then you sit there, and you don't accept me. And Jesus is upset. And all of a sudden, you should read it. It's really great. (laughs) But like, you know, like, it's so fun. Like, we want to go read the verse, come to me, all who are weary. I'll give you rest. And it's like three verses. He's like, Sodom and Gomorrah have more blessings than even you. (laughs) That's what it says. Go and read it. Just trying to bring some awareness to Scripture. So Jesus is calling these homies out. And uh, in eleven twenty-five through 30 something, um, and I'm reading out of the message translation, translation, it says, Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer and said, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, That's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. He's cooled down a bit, took a few deep breaths, and says, The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with you, anyone who is willing to listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Wow. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come on, I don't even need to preach. I can just sit down. But Jesus is looking at these people with unrepentant hearts. These people, there's probably all three crowds present, honestly, if we're thinking about it, right? Because everywhere Jesus came, people followed him because they liked him. People followed him because they were curious about him. And they also followed him to heckle him. And so this is honestly an invitation where he's talking to all these people and he says, yo, 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 if you are sick and tired, if you are sick and tired of carrying the yoke of of religiosity, if you are sick and tired of trying to maintain your own right standing with God, come to me. If you are sick and tired of trying to please the Jewish leaders of the day, if you are sick and tired of trying to be a performance mentality kind of human, come to me. If you are sick and tired of carrying your family on your back, if you are sick and tired of carrying all everyone else's anxieties around you, if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, come to me and I will give you rest. And I will show you the way because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Oh. Keep company with me and I will show you the way. Paul echoes this in Romans eight fourteen through 17. This is the Passion Translation. I'm preaching out of millennial translations tonight. (laughs) I've never done that before. Well, I'm like, oh, why not start now? And it says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within you, our spirits join him in saying the tender words of affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to you as he whispers into your innermost being that you are God's most beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share his, all of his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We all experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. Amen. The way that Jesus offers all of us, the reason that he come, he came, <laughs> The reason that he came is to inaugurate a kingdom life of easiness and lightness. He the, the way of Jesus is not a heavy way. The way of I'm gonna say that again because I think we can yes and amen at all we want. But really, if we look at our lives, if we look inside of what our daily Christian life looks like, are we more familiar with carrying heavy burdens or are we more familiar with the easiness and lightness of the way of the kingdom? Because Jesus is looking at us and says, my way is that you don't need to keep striving. My way is that you live from victory, not for it. My way is that you are accepted already. And this doesn't mean that there's not going to be sufferings and pain in our life. How many of you know? Duh. <laughs> right? There's going to be pains and sufferings. Trust me, I'm very, very, very familiar with it. But the invitation here is to be yoked to Jesus. And... And <laughs> this is so embarrassing to admit, I had no idea what a yoke was. I literally thought it was just a thing in an egg. Like, I seriously, like, like, I just thought it was Christianese. Like, I've known this verse my whole life. Like, my whole life I've known this verse. His burdens are easy and his yoke is light. What that means, I don't know. But it sounds good. I seriously thought it was the thing in an egg. I'm not lying. Like, I was mind-blown. I found out what it really was. And I was like, oh, this scripture actually makes sense now. (laughs) But what what a yoke is, for those of you who don't know, because, hey, I'm with you if you don't know. But a yoke is this contraption that they would use to put two oxen's head together so that the stronger oxen would lead the weaker oxen. And so it is in this new kingdom life that Jesus came to inaugurate was for me and you to be yoked with him so that all of our painful, heavy burdens are actually being carried by him as well. Do you, do you see, and so, like, this led me, like, over, the, if, if I'm being honest, so I've been pretty vulnerable from the stage, and I'm not going to get all into it, but the last 10 years of my life, there's no better word to say what I've experienced, but the closest thing to hell. It's been hard. It's been bad. It's been filled with divorce, addiction, mental diseases, Alzheimer's, siblings blowing their lives apart. It's been super, super hard. And my whole and throughout the last 10 years of my life, my whole goal was to do it well and was just to get through it, to go along. And I had this mentality all throughout, mostly throughout the last 10 years of my life. As I'm like, okay, I know what the Bible says. It says that his burdens are easy and his yoke is light and it also says that you're going to endure suffering and pain and hardship but because I was so unfamiliar with here because I really did not experience much of this in my life you know I would have moments of experiencing it but it was definitely moments where this was the norm this was my every day my every day for so long was trying to survive and so what I did mentally in my mind is I said, okay, if the kingdom is both, then I must just be in a season of pain and suffering right now. I must just be in a, pain, in a season of pain and difficulty. It just must be my yoke that I'm carrying right now. And so that's what I've done for years. That's what I've done for years is I had the mentality that I must just be in that season because of my lack of experience with that. And so, but if you actually read the scripture, what does the scripture say? Come to me, all of you who are in this season, and I will give you this. If you are tired, if you are thirsty, if you are heavy, if you are pain, if you are here, then you now get to experience this here. So this is actually where we always live. And, and if we create theology of living here, we're wrong. Because it says, come to me if you are weary and anxious, and I will give you rest. So therefore, we should live here each and every day of our lives. Amen? But honestly, because I lived here for so long, I've spent a lot of this last year I had to get out of the turmoil. I had to get out of the chaos that that was my life when I was back at home in California. It's crazy. This year is actually, literally, this weekend is one year that my wife and I have lived here. And and I, when I moved here, the Lord, the Lord told me, AJ, I need you to learn and focus on one thing. Your first year in Boise, AJ, you need to learn how to rest. You need to learn how to rest, AJ, because you're not. And you're no longer, you can't just be in this season of suffering because you're going to burn out. And I did. It's a huge reason I came, I came here. Because I was tapped out. I was done. And Lord said, AJ, I need you, I need you to learn how to rest. And so you can ask my wife, you can ask all my, the close people in my life. I, for the first time ever, have been so, look, I, Y'all can kind of tell I'm not exactly the most disciplined human being there is on the face of planet Earth. I'm not exactly the most clean and tidy and, you know, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to learn discipline. And as hard as it is, I'm going to learn how to rest. And so each Monday or Friday, sometimes multiple days, sometimes after work, I would just I just get in my car and I drive to Sun Valley, I drive to the Oahue River, I drive to the South Fork of the Boise, and I fly fish with Jesus. And I hang out with him, and I have learned how to rest this last year. And I've learned that, like honestly, all the chaos, all the crap, let's call it crap, because that's what it is. Might not be the most appropriate word, but that's how I feel. Oh, gosh, I'm not going to go there. All of that stuff didn't change because I started to rest. In fact, I was meeting with Robin this week, trying to figure out how to discuss one of the most recent crises that came up in my life. That's even more difficult. And in this Tuesday morning prayer, honestly, when I was like unfamiliar with the easiness and lightness of the Lord, it was a reality check that somewhere within this last month or two of my life, I have gotten out of the unforced rhythms of grace, being vulnerable, because all those burdens, all those things that I've been carrying for the last 10 years, they resurfaced again this week. Even though they've been resurfacing the whole time I've here. But this week it caused a panic in me. And I freaked out. And I was super tempted to numb out. And I was like, okay. Okay. I got out of the rhythm. I got out of the. I've got out of the unforced rhythms of grace. I stopped co-laboring with Him. I stopped being yoked to Him, and I need to go back and find where I lost it. Amen. And so, literally, I'm. I'm going to be sharing, uh, like, a few of the reasons that I feel like we get out of the unforced rhythms of grace. Or am I the only crazy one in here and feels heaviness, right? I th- like. Ugh, it's stupid. How is how's, how's the gospel supposed to be attractive if Christians are the heaviest people the world knows? I don't know. I've been thinking about that. I've been like, that's stupid. <laughs> and I'm one of them. So, So I believe when we are experiencing more heaviness and more suffering and pain... And, and feeling the weight of it, right? It's natural to be tired. That's okay. There's healthy tired and there's unhealthy tired. Unhealthy tired makes you do stupid things. Health, healthy tired is you get away with Jesus so you can go rest, right? Okay, but when we are unhealthy tired, where we're looking to numb out, looking to do stupid things, it's because we, are, we, we have gotten out of the unforced rhythms of grace, And there are a few reasons that I feel like we as human beings can get out of the unforced rhythms of grace. And the first one um, for me that I've experienced is that we are striving and we don't even know it. Does that make sense? (laughs) We are striving and we don't even know it. We are finding our significance in the works that we're doing rather than just in him. This was me a lot of my last time in ministry, right? I was, I, I was so, fo- and this is what I mean by striving and you don't even know it. I was so focused on just behaving the right way through my crisis, through my difficulty. I was focusing all of my attention on just making sure that I would be in right standing with God. I would spend all of my time making sure that I can maintain a posture to be able to preach powerfully in the midst of my crisis. Do do you see? That's striving. When we are focused on behaviors and works more than we are on him and just being with him and allowing him to love our hearts, we can easily fall into striving, You know, this is like the perfect example is in how I I look back on my last ministry and realize that I got out of the unforced rhythms of grace is because I would get up there and I'd preach with passion and I'd preach with power and then I would like lead all my ministries and we'd see a bunch of beautiful, powerful, amazing stuff happen and then I would get home and I'd be depressed and I would be different in my home life than I was in my public ministry life. And if that's you, if you are someone who in public are are just happy and going for it and loving life and preaching the gospel and, and making a difference in this world. But then if you get home and you're someone different and you're depressed and you're angry and you're irritable and you're numbing out, it's probably because you're striving and you don't even know it. You see? Oftentimes, I think the second way I think we can burdens can seem heavy is when we are seeking to attain something. Yeah, so many times, um, even in this process of inner healing for me of going after wholeness, I have found myself. It's there are times when I've gone through inner healing and it's been in sh- in reading self help books and all this stuff and I've been reading, spending time with the Lord, and I've left feeling tired but more just like spiritually exhausted, like I need to tuck away and just receive a little bit, and it's been healthy. And then there there have been other seasons when I've been going after inner healing, and I've been going after all of this personal breakthrough and trying to fix all of my stuff, and I leave more depressed, more frustrated, more this, more that. And what I realize is in those times, my heart is to attain wholeness on my own rather than allow the Spirit to lead me being yoked to Jesus. Does that make sense? And and so, if you're resonating with any of this as I'm talking, just like, maybe just make a bullet note in your notes or something like, oh, I need to bring this to the Lord. Amen? I think the other, um, yeah. um, Sorry, I got ahead of myself. (laughs) You know, our... Our call is to is not to do but to be with Jesus and so if we're ever like just trying to focus on the behaviors of Jesus and the works of Jesus rather just than just allowing him to love and nourish our souls we're probably a little bit out of whack. Like, if it's a burden for you to turn the other cheek, a heavy, unhealthy burden, if it's a burden, a heavy burden to go out and pray for someone, if it's a heavy burden for you to do something that looks like Jesus would do, it's probably because your mindset in it is to perform rather than just to be moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Because if we're moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, praying for someone never feels heavy. Because we're yoked with him. Does that make sense? Okay. But it's just, it's just funny to me. I just, I've been reading just pretty much the gospels lately. And I'm just, there's so much, yes, there's language when he commands us to go out and heal the sick and raise the dead and do all these things. But there is so much more language that says, come to me, eat me. Abide in me, listen to me, be with me, right? There's so much more of that language. So I guess what I'm trying to say is what is your intention and what is your focus? Is your focus on the works that he's doing or is your focus on him? Amen? Um, Graham Cook says that we are not initiators of our spirituality, but God is. That's really good. We are not initiators of our spirituality, God is. God doesn't require that we take his truth and apply it to our lives. Instead, he invites us to learn the practice of abiding in him so that his life can come through us. The spirit of truth who is the Holy Spirit, amen? Um, the second reason I, I feel like we can get out of the unforced rhythms of grace is because of some of us may have codependent tendencies. This was me, like classic codependent. And what a codependent does oftentimes is, if I don't do this, who will? These are classic lines of codependence. If I don't meet that person where they're at, then they're going to have an anxiety attack. If I don't be there for my dad, he's going to burst out in anger. If I don't get up there and do this, then this is going to happen. Do you hear that? And that's when burdens start to feel heavy because now my experience and I'm expecting that it's my role and my duty to pull that person or that situation up. And that's heavy because we as human beings aren't supposed to do that. There's nothing that I can humanly do to actually make another person truly happy like God can. And so I can spend all of my life trying to make you all happy. (laughs) I probably won't be that good at it. And also I'll be heavy the whole time because I don't want to carry all your stuff. You know? And so if we don't want to feel heaviness, then we cannot be codependent. And that's the hardest thing to learn. Look, I can empathize with any of you who are codependents. It is still something that I battle every day because I get fed the lie. If I don't do this for my dad, then this is going to happen. If I don't do this for my sister, my brother, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it just keeps going, you know? But we got to stop. We got to be yoked with the Spirit of God. We cannot have that stupid mentality mentality. If I don't do this, who will? That's arrogance. That's self-righteous pride. And I can only say that because that's something that I've struggled with a lot. Is I'm the one. I'm the one that can resurrect my family. <laughs> I'm the one that's going to change the generational. Do, do, okay, so this is something I've been thinking about. Like I get so excited about being the one that's gonna change my family legacy forever. But the only way that I can actually change my family legacy forever is if I get with him and am yoked to him and dependent on the spirit of God. And each and every time I have tried to do it by myself, I find myself in a counseling office. I find myself in my pastor's office. I find myself depressed and, not, and, and being a loser. <laughs> you know, it's not fun. And then I think the other time, there are just attacks. Sometimes we are just attacked because there's a devil that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And when we come with these attacks of these heavy burdens and this and all that craziness, we cannot allow our mind to wander, because... For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And so I think what we need to do when burdens become heavy and we get outside of the unforced rhythms of grace, these are a few questions that I've started to ask myself over this last year. Jesus, am I striving right now? Am I trying to attain something? Jesus, am I trying to fix this circumstance on my own accord? Or Jesus, is this just an attack? Or is there somewhere in me that I need to look at? How can I be more yoked to you? Does that make sense? Because this is our inheritance, the easiness, the lightness of the kingdom. That's our standard. Amen? That's where we live. That's where we move. That's where we have our being. Let's be people who lived like Jesus lived. And, and I don't have much time left, so I'm going to stop soon. <laughs> Jesus lived his whole life dependent on the Spirit of God. He did nothing but what he saw the Father doing. And I truly believe it's like classic cheesy Christian cliche as it sounds like. We, ju- we need to be people dependent on the Spirit. Because as we depend on him, it is the spirit of Jesus. It is the spirit of Jesus. And we will learn his way. See, this is something that I've been trying to think about. I feel like so many times when we go and read our Bible, we'll read about all the things that Jesus did rather than the way that he did them. But here's the deal. Lifestyles change culture. Behaviors don't. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really good. Lifestyles change cultures. Behaviors don't. Me and you can try all that we can to behave the right way. And we will probably have momentary success. And we will see momentary fruit. But what is actually going to lead to transformation in Boise, transformation in Idaho, transformation in our cities and in our families is if we actually just live the way that Jesus did. Jesus lived an unhurried life. I think this is probably a good place to start. He lived an unhurried life and because it was an unhurried life, he was able to live a life dependent on the spirit. When we live a life dependent on the Spirit, it protects us from striving and finding our significance in what we are doing rather than who we are. It protects us from getting too far ahead of where the Spirit is going. How many times? There's been so many times where I have tried to rush way too far ahead of even where the Spirit is going in my life. Have you ever experienced that? He's like, come back, lean back. back. Dallas Willard, um, who's one of my favorite theologians, I really highly encourage, if you, if you want to know what it, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, he has incredible books that I think are different than anything that I've ever read. It's Divine Conspiracy, and then there's another one about spiritual disciplines, something like that. That's awesome. But he says, in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently, and hopefully while the rest of our lives living just as everyone else around us. It is is a strategy bound to fail. And so there are a few, I don't have that much time, so I'm just going to say them really quick. There are a few practices of Jesus that I feel like he is highlighting for our community to start walking in. Like, I believe we are so incredibly amazing at being a community who goes after our junk. We are so amazing at seeking wholeness. We are so amazing at living a life led by the Spirit. But there are a few ways that Jesus showed me certain things in his life that he's been teaching me that I felt like he wanted me to share tonight. He's, uh, a few of the practices um, that I think will help us lead to a greater understanding specifically of the lightness and easiness of the kingdom. Does that make sense? Because, yeah, I'm going to leave that at that. The first one is prayer, and we're in that as a church right now. And it's been beautiful, and it's been powerful. But this is what Jesus did. He prayed all the time. The only place that Jesus ever rushed was to the mountain to pray. After a long day of ministry, what we see almost every single time is that Jesus rushed and withdrew to the mountain to pray. And I'm not going to talk about that much because I feel like we have Talked about that a lot recently. And we are doing an awesome job of being a church of prayer. Amen. Like we need to keep doing that because that's where we get to come away. That's where we get to be loved on. That's where Jesus got his marching orders. That's where Jesus connected with the spirit. That's where he learned how to be yoked. That's where he learned everything was in that secret place. So we need to be a people of the secret place. The second one that the Lord was showing me is is Jesus lived a life of gratitude. Look, he look, in just this verse, in this chapter, in chapter 11, he's ticked off. He's angry at these unrepentant people. And then it says, abruptly, he says, thank you, God. <laughs> That's so cool. In the moment where some theologians think that Jesus is the most angry he ever was on earth, he leapt into thanksgiving, thanking God. I was reading this week, like literally, Living a life and practice of gratitude actually changes the molecular structure of your brain. So we need to be a people who are practicing gratitude. And as we practice gratitude, it will lead us into a place of feeling the easy yoke of Jesus. Amen? Living unhurried... Oh so hard. Do I even need to preach that? It's like, how do you live an unhurried life? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Honestly, you know, I'm trying. Uh, The first thing that I try to do is I rest. Resting, having a Sabbath day, that really, really helps. Being present with the person that I'm with Putting away my phone, and I need to be better at it. But it will help me not live so unhurried. Jesus lived an unhurried life, he, which I believe so much of our anxiousness and heaviness comes from what? Hurrying. We need to be here. We need to do this. We need to do that. Da 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 da. Sometimes I think we die on the cross of excellence rather than Him. <laughs> Look, I want to be excellent in everything that I do, but not at the expense of living a life completely anxious. Yeah. And then resting. We need to rest. We need to rest daily. We need to rest weekly. We need to rest. If we don't rest, we will experience heavy burdens, period. But when we rest and we get away and we tuck away with Him, is where He speaks and He leads and He guides us. Amen? Amen. All right, will you stand? Oh, there was another one. I didn't write it down. <laughs> to live a life of celebration. Right? Like, let's end on that because this is what Jesus hung out with people all the time. He had dinners. He had bonfires. He celebrated festivals. He went to weddings. He had fun, right? So that's another way to experience the easiness and lightness of God. And so we're going to do that. And so we're just going to raise our hands to heaven, and we're just going to thank him. I just felt like that's what the Lord wanted to do today. Just even in your own space, in your own time, in your own heart right now, just begin to thank him for lifting your burdens. Just begin to thank him. So Jesus, we thank you, God. Just even speak out the burdens that you've been carrying. God, I thank you for taking the burden of my family, God. I thank you for taking the burden. I thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We thank Thank you, Jesus, for making a way when there was no way. Yes, God. I thank you that we never have to strive ever again. I thank you, Jesus, that I never, ever have to strive another moment in my life. Yeah, I just feel like even right now. I just feel like the Lord is lifting burdens of you that have been carrying your family for years and years and years. I feel like the Lord is taking it. He's taking it right now, and he's just saying, he's just saying, I'm carrying it for you. Yoke yourself to me. Be dependent on me. I think those of you, I think there's been a heavy burden of financial yoke, of like being the provider and, and I, just, I just pray right now. I just pray right now, Jesus, for anyone who is experiencing the heaviness of being a provider. And I just pray for an encounter right now, Jesus. An encounter right now, Jesus. An encounter right now, Jesus. With the fact that you are our provider. Jesus, we love you. We praise you and we honor you. In your holy, mighty, and wonderful name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse Podcast. For more information, visit RiverhouseMinistries.com.